I'm Martin Brideson and I'm here today to interview Nigel Hitchin, who after a long and illustrious career here at Oxford is just retiring as the civilian professor of geometry. So Nigel, sh shall we begin uh, with, um, do you want to tell us sort of a bit about your early life and how you decided to study mathematics? So at what point did you decide you might want to study mathematics? Uh, okay, so, uh, well I grew up in a, a small village called Duffield uh, near Derby. Uh, as a matter of fact, it's the, the same, same village where one of our ex-colleagues, Hilary Ockenden, grew up. Oh, right. In fact, her, okay. her father was a uh, family doctor. Uh -huh. um, and uh, in 1957, um, so that was when I was 11, so there was a, actually a brand new grammar school uh, built in, in Duffield, and okay. I, I, I started there, along with uh, about 73 other students. So. <laughs> Mm -hmm. So uh, students, they're called students nowadays, right. but you know, pupils <laughs> right. in those days. Uh -huh. So this was like two classes, and of course, uh -huh. obviously with uh, a small number like that, the school didn't have a full complement of teachers. Uh -huh. um, so um, the mathematics actually was initially taught by a variety of teachers. There was the, the, the French uh, teacher, uh -huh. he wasn't very good really, <laughs> but it was even worse was the PE teacher. So, you know, he, Kind of got us calculating the the, the staggering the stagger distance for a full forty uh -huh. year, you know. Uh -huh. uh, but eventually, as the as the school grew, after a couple of years, uh, they hired uh, more teachers, more specialist mm -hmm. teachers, and uh, there was one teacher there um, who actually took an interest, uh, a serious interest in mathematics, mm -hmm. and in particular, you know, when uh, when pupils responded positively to. What he was telling us, he mm -hmm. took a, an interest mm -hmm. uh, in them too. Mm -hmm. So he, he probably was uh, was an influence on me. Although uh, you know there are lots of things which I quite liked at, at, mm -hmm. uh, at school. Some things I didn't like, but uh, did reasonably well in mm -hmm. chemistry, for example. Mm -hmm. right? I never liked chemistry. It was too <laughs> much too much to learn. Um, so, so can you? At what age do you think mathematics might be what I'll study at university, for example? Was that clear to you when you were 15 or 16? Or not, not really, actually. Yeah. I mean, I suppose in my uh, younger years, I was, I was quite influenced by my elder brother. I, I used to do all the things, that I used to want to do all the things that he would uh -huh. do. So he was, he was always uh, building things with Meccano. He built a kind uh -huh. of um, uh, an automatic transmission or something. I uh -huh. could never do that, but uh -huh. I, I know it was always kind of following on what, uh -huh. what he, was, uh, he was doing. And, for a long time, I thought that I wanted to be uh, an engineer. Mm -hmm. uh, so, engin and of course, the mixture of subjects which I chose to do at uh, at school mm -hmm. reflected that. Mm -hmm. But gradually, in the sixth form, I guess uh, I realised that actually, I really probably wouldn't be a very good engineer. <laughs> and somehow, the the mathematics came more and more mm -hmm. to the fore. And, and was it geometry? Did you sort of fall in love with geometry at some point? Do you, do you remember all those those Greek Proofs that we used to do in school. Uh, well, I remember them, but I don't uh, think it was. Um, that wasn't my favourite uh, okay. part uh -huh. of mathematics. Mm. No, no, I think I was quite uh, had quite a, a broad appreciation of mathematics, some of it in pure and applied mathematics. Uh -huh. um, our actually the headmaster was um, he was a mathematician as well, but he taught us uh, applied mathematics. Uh -huh. But it was uh, quite an old-fashioned, you know, it was mm -hmm. going back to Cambridge Tripos questions 1906, that sort oh, okay. of thing. <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, finally, uh, actually, well, what also happened was that uh, I was quite ill for a, for a month or so, and I, had, I dropped one of the A-level subjects that I was going to take, uh -huh. and really focused on mathematics. Uh -huh. So at that point, I, I really thought that mathematics was going uh -huh. to be my, my mm -hmm. what I would do at university. At uh -huh. and, so, and so how did, how did you end up at Jesus College? Oh, so why Oxford and why Jesus? Uh, so yeah, okay. So uh, then we have to talk uh, about the, the headmaster, uh -huh. Mr. Redfern, his name uh -huh. was. So he had, uh, so he, he tried to create this, uh, this school in his, it was a new school. Uh -huh. He wanted to create it in his kind of own image. There were a lot of things which he did which were 
a little bit controversial. I mean, he, he was kind of modelled on public schools and so on because mm -hmm. we weren't allowed to play football, we had to play rugby. Okay. On the other hand, this was good for the surrounding schools because they didn't have rugby teams, but they created them in uh -huh. order to play. Okay. But, yeah. uh, but in particular, he, in the 1930s, he'd actually been offered a place to study mathematics at Jesus College, oh. uh, but had not been able to afford to take uh -huh. it up. Uh -huh. And so it's somehow vicariously, mm -hmm. I was, um, I was pointed in that, that, in that direction. Uh -huh. He didn't have any particular links with the college, but uh -huh. it was just that, uh, uh -huh. that he wanted uh, you know, a mathematician to go uh -huh. there. Uh -huh. I wasn't actually the first uh, mathematician from the school to come to Oxford. Uh -huh. uh, because uh, I stayed on for the uh, extra term to take the entrance examination, or the scholarship examination right. uh -huh. in those days. Mm -hmm. Whereas one of my uh, peers, um, she went uh, directly, in fact, to Somerville uh, oh, without okay. doing that. Uh -huh. mm -hmm. So, do, do you have clear memories of your interview from... Yeah, pretty clear, <laughs> yes. I, well, yeah. I had two interviews because, yeah. I mean, they actually offered me a place in uh, after an interview in October, uh -huh. but oh. then they encouraged me to take the uh, the examination. Okay. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. Yeah, so uh, I, well, they used, it was more or less like the interviews we do nowadays. Mm -hmm. We you know pick up maybe on a topic in the entrance exam, which had particularly attracted uh -huh. me. Mm -hmm. I remember the uh, the problem was uh, was about estimating the uh, the size of a, a ball of wire, I think you take a length uh -huh. of wire, you screw it up and uh -huh. you say what, is the, what, is the, what are good estimates uh -huh. for the, uh, the radius? It's extraordinary the way these, these moments of life stay with you, right? the details <laughs> of that interview. <laughs> yes. That's right, so you make, you make you know, a, a crude one and then, uh -huh. you, then you kind of uh -huh. do the approximations. Uh -huh. yeah. So, so when, when you arrived at Oxford, um, was it what you anticipated? Did you, did you find it immediately stimulating or a bit off-putting? Uh, uh, you know, whenever you yeah. uh, come into a new environment uh, and you know that, okay, maybe you were one of the best at your school in mathematics, of course, all the others were the same way. There's, yeah. there's always a question mm -hmm. of yeah. you know, measuring yourself against mm -hmm. the others. And so yeah. I was a bit nervous at first about that. Um, but uh, so the tutors at Jesus at the time were, it was uh, Edward Thompson and Christopher Bradley, mm -hmm. and they had very different ways of uh, approaching things. I think uh, Christopher Bradley was, I think, quite influential in that he he encouraged us to um, well it, to read up on something which uh, you know we could choose and mm -hmm. give a, a you know a talk a half hour okay. talk about it to mm -hmm. the other the other students and himself. Mm -hmm. And uh, that was that was good because you know mm -hmm. I would go to the library and look through the books and try mm -hmm. and find what. Uh, mm -hmm. Actually, I think I gave a talk on a chapter in Herman Weyl's classical groups. But oh right. I, uh, can't remember what it's about. The Capelli <laughs> yes. identities. I, uh -huh. I don't know now. After all, <laughs> all these years where uh -huh. I learned about Lie groups and so forth, uh -huh. I still don't know what the Capelli identities uh -huh. are. But in those uh -huh. days, I think I, uh -huh. I thought that I had, I did. Uh -huh. so, so, so you weren't obliged to stick too closely to the syllabus during these co college no, tutorials. Not really. Uh, no. Um, mm -hmm. I mean, Edward Thompson. You would. I mean, you would uh, go there in this cloud of pipe smoke and. Uh, uh -huh. You'd sit down, and and he would sit there waiting for you to come up with problems, which uh -huh. he would uh, discuss, mm -hmm. sucking on his pipe. Mm -hmm. uh, Christopher Bradley was different, so he yeah. he actually would, uh, you know, deal with applied mathematical problems, but he always had a very clean approach. He was, uh -huh. always, you know, he taught us about Cartesian tensors and using matrix methods, okay. and uh, uh -huh. it was a kind of. Uh, uh -huh. A modern approach to, to mm -hmm. do, I would say, clean approach to doing applied uh -huh. mathematics, which I think actually was influential in my uh -huh. uh, subsequent uh, right. career. Uh -huh. and, and so, who who were your contemporaries? Did any others go on to be mathematicians? Uh, yes. So, uh -huh. um, so Lynn Thomas, who unfortunately died earlier this year, um, so he was um, he became. Well, he moved uh, from mathematics to operational research and business uh -huh. school, but he became professor in, uh, Ed in Edinburgh and in Southampton. Mm -hmm. uh, there was Gareth Jones, who was a uh, group theorist. Uh, mm -hmm. He was a professor in Southampton. Mm -hmm. um, 
the others, uh, let's see, uh, well, th those two in particular, uh -huh. yeah. And do, do, were there proclivities for, for the directions they followed? Did these emerge early on? Were, were you obviously the geometer, for example? Is there, yeah, there? I think I was actually. I, I mean, we didn't get, there wasn't much geometry in the course in those days, uh -huh. in fact. Uh, and uh, I used to go down to the college library and look, mm -hmm. look at books. Mm -hmm. um, there, was, there was one book I remember in particular. This was uh, by Flanders, Harley Flanders. It was called uh, Differential Forms in the Physical Sciences. And uh, mm -hmm. that was, uh, I was always attracted to that, even though it was, it was a non-rigorous book. So uh -huh. it didn't actually tell you what a differential form was. And that worried me a little bit uh -huh. because I was, you mm -hmm. know, I wanted to... When you come to university, you, you right. know that you're starting yeah. from the scratch and right. uh, uh -huh. things have to be built up logically. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. And he introduced these objects. Mm -hmm. I mean, nowadays, uh, you know, I'm more flexible. If you, like. uh -huh. you have to be when you, when you right. become a researcher. You have uh -huh. to be more flexible in your interpretation mm -hmm. of things. Mm -hmm. But that was, that was a book which I always uh -huh. kept going down and looking at. But also, as a researcher, you, you, you sort of have, you have a, a better grasp somehow of the reality of, of the objects you're wrestling with, I think, right? When you're an undergraduate, as you say, you like these clear definitions. Yes, that's yeah. right, yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, I remember, you know, getting asking yeah. somebody, you know, what is a vector space? Uh -huh. but, uh, uh -huh. Yeah, you know, you jump over these hurdles and then mm -hmm. everything becomes mm -hmm. uh, more natural. And, and so, so who were the, the sort of dominant figures in Oxford mathematics at that time? And so, was Atiyah's influence already very strong? Uh, yeah, well, the, uh, the first year, my mods year, um, mm -hmm. they decided to put the, uh, the top brass to give the mods lectures. So, uh -huh. uh, yeah. so Michael Atiyah was giving the algebra course, uh, mm -hmm. Charles Coulson was giving the applied mathematics course, uh -huh. And then they had uh, Hammersley giving the analysis, which uh, mm -hmm. caused some problems because his uh, his problem sheets were very very difficult, and uh -huh. so um, tutors were ringing each other, <laughs> ringing each other up, uh, uh -huh. asking, "How do you do this?" Uh -huh. Okay, there were some starred questions, but even the unstarred uh -huh. questions were difficult. Uh -huh. mm -hmm. And as you might expect, uh, Michael Atia went very quickly. It was very good, but uh -huh. very quick. Um, uh -huh. So we started with set theory, and by the end of the term, he was talking about Galois groups. Uh -huh. um, I think uh -huh. they dropped that system right. pretty quickly, but it was uh, it, that uh -huh. was clearly influential. I mean, uh -huh. I enjoyed it, uh -huh. um, mm. but it caused it caused problems. Mm -hmm. yeah. But and, and as as your undergraduate career developed, and did, was it the lecture courses that that had a particular influence on you, or or your, or your peers, or and how did you sort of settle on the direction for the the next part of your career? Yeah. Um, yeah. I think uh, there were things which I, I did like and things which I didn't like. I mean, mm -hmm. probability and statistics, I, I didn't like at all, so uh -huh. I avoided that. Uh, I, uh, things like fluid dynamics, I played around a bit, but then I gave up. Mm -hmm. yeah, eventually, I, I focused on more geometrical subjects, on mm -hmm. topology. Um, there, was a, there was a course on algebraic geometry, but a very foundational course, uh -huh. uh, some commutative algebra, mm -hmm. some functional analysis. Mm -hmm. They were kind of, uh, I, you know, tutors gave you advice. Uh, mm -hmm. In my final year, Brian Steer used to give me tutorials in topology and differential geometry. Uh -huh. mm -hmm. um, so gradually, I think uh -huh. I, I settled on these things. I th I'd always so been interested, you know, in popular reading uh, mm -hmm. about topology, rubber uh -huh. sheet geometry. I was, right. you know, uh -huh. I was, before I came to university, I was uh, quite very keen mm -hmm. on that. And then when you get point set topology, it was a bit of a letdown. Right, you know? yeah, right. <laughs> on the other hand, mm -hmm. then mm -hmm. when it came to um, doing algebraic topology, uh -huh. um, so it was Graham Siegel who gave the, gave okay. the course there. Uh -huh. Then when they started talking about um, sim you know, simplices and so on, I thought, well, mm -hmm. this is kind of combinatorial. This is not uh -huh, what topology right, is. Yeah, but, uh -huh. but then when he uh -huh. started talking about the nerve of a covering and check uh -huh. homology and things like that, uh -huh. then it all hang, right. hang uh -huh. together much better. Uh -huh. so, uh -huh. so actually uh -huh. the way in which these things are presented, I think, is, uh -huh. is, is influential yeah. in, uh, in guiding you uh -huh. uh, through the subject. And, and sort of later in your career, I, I think of, of well, your influence on physics, but also physics influence on the sort of geometry and the physics influence on the sort of mathematics you've done. 
Was that always true? Was it true then, for example? You sort of you found that motivating? Not really. I never, I never took any physics course, any, well, I didn't take any quantum theory courses or relativity courses. Uh -huh. I, I guess I was interested in cosmology and general relativity, but largely because of it was using the same formalism as the differential geometry. Uh -huh. But I didn't, I never got the hang of, you know, light codes and things mm -hmm. like that. I mean, uh -huh. P, it was Riemannian geometry. That was, okay. that was, I had a good, I had a feel for that. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. So, um, so although I had a passing interest in, uh, in relativity and mm -hmm. I used to buy one or two textbooks on it, uh -huh. then I didn't take any courses on it. So uh -huh. in fact, um, I basically avoided the physics-related courses okay. in the course. Uh -huh. oh, that's interesting. Uh, and what I, so, so what, what year? What year are we up to? Versus, versus so I uh, uh, sixty-five to six, sixty-eight was 68. I, I. I took my final oh, okay. exams. So, so that's so. When, when was, was the index theorem? Was what sixty-three? So was that very much in the air? Did you sort of have an appreciation of that then? Yeah. Okay. So that was so when I began as a, a research student. Mm. Then uh, yeah. So. I, the index theorem was definitely in the air. Uh -huh. um, so Brian Steer was my uh, supervisor, mm -hmm. and in my first year, he um, he tried to push me towards various topics. Well, first of all, uh, he tried to get me interested in dynamical systems because this was at uh -huh. the time of you know, the Smale and all this stuff. Right. Uh -huh. And uh, I think there was a kind of preference uh, in giving. Getting research grants to uh, uh -huh. in this area. I mean, S SRC, I think it was in those uh -huh. days, was, was mm -hmm. doing something like that. I read a few books on that, but I didn't. You I weren't didn't drawn like to it. it. Uh, I, didn't, uh, I didn't like uh, the flavour of the subject. Uh -huh. um, but I learned a bit about smell horseshoes and things like uh -huh. that. So then he pointed me, when I said no, this wasn't for uh -huh. me, he pointed me in another direction, which was mm -hmm. to do with K theory of Lie groups, and that wasn't, I didn't really uh, get very far with that. Mm -hmm. But still, I was learning K-theory, and then uh -huh. I got in touch with the index theorem, mm -hmm. and and finally, um, I started working on the Dirac operator, where, mm -hmm. of course, there was this uh, important application of the index theorem and the A-hat genus of spin manifolds right. and uh -huh. so forth. Mm -hmm. And it was at that point that, uh, that yes, I started to read, uh, read the papers on index theory, oh, okay. the, the uh -huh. Annals papers on uh -huh. index theory. Uh -huh. and so so as you said, so as you said, you, st you started with Brian Steer, but was the intention always that you would talk to Michael Atiyah as well, or was that as a result of this evolution of interests? Uh, no, so it was um, because uh, Michael had actually left for Princeton, so he was a permanent member of oh, the institute okay. in Princeton. Uh, so maybe after the first year, I can't remember which year it was, mm -hmm. but he always used to come back in the summer for the summer term because in Princeton they finished at the end yeah. of April, I guess. Mm -hmm. Um, so, I mean, obviously, I'd always thought that it would be nice to, you know, to actually work under uh, mm -hmm. Michael Tier. But then the opportunity came when Brian went on uh, sabbatical for uh -huh. one term, mm -hmm. and so um, and so uh, uh, Michael uh, took me on as a uh, uh -huh. student for that uh -huh. uh, that period for that summer term. Uh -huh. And then he pointed me in lots of different directions, gave mm -hmm. me ideas and so forth, which uh -huh. really, uh, yeah, pushed mm -hmm. my research on. Uh -huh. yeah. Can I just actually go back to, when you were doing these things that, that sort of did, didn't resonate so much with you, was there a point at which you got disheartened at all and you thought maybe maths isn't for me? Or you, yeah, there? sure. Yeah. Um, in fact, before I came to Oxford as an undergraduate, uh, because yeah. I'd taken the entrance exam and you know, I was admitted in, you know, I was accepted in December. Mm -hmm. I got a job for the next nine mo eight months um, mm -hmm. with Rolls-Royce in Derby in their computer engineering computer department. Mm -hmm. And uh, that was, that was interesting. Well, um, I was earning money. Right, that's Seven interesting. Seven pounds, 12 <laughs> shillings a week. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, mm. But uh, there were some interesting problems there. But I went there kind of not knowing much and mm -hmm. I didn't even know what matrices were and uh, mm -hmm. so uh, they were always talking about stiffness matrices in engine design and so forth mm -hmm. and so actually I, I picked up some mathematics there uh -huh. and uh, and I worked there maybe two vacations and so they'd, al oh, okay. they'd always said that uh, mm -hmm. if 
you know, if I wanted to, there uh -huh. would always be a job back there uh -huh. for me. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, it's true. Halfway through mm -hmm. my first year, uh, mm -hmm. when I felt that I wasn't getting anywhere, uh -huh. I thought, well, should I, uh -huh. should I go back? And mm -hmm. it was really only when I had the task of writing the, uh, what we now call the transfer dissertation, uh -huh. Mm -hmm. uh, that uh, I really got engaged with something which I really mm -hmm. liked, mm -hmm. and, uh, mm -hmm. and that encouraged me to stay mm -hmm. on. Mm -hmm. So, so then j jumping ahead, so, so then when you've written your thesis, so what, what next? Uh, what, what were your thoughts at that stage? Uh, so um, okay, yeah. so I'd, actually I hadn't quite finished my thesis by the end of the three, the three years. Mm -hmm. I mean, I hadn't written it up. I mm -hmm. got various results. But then, um, then uh, Michael uh, invited me to be his assistant in the institute. Oh, okay. So, uh, so he was back permanently by that stage. Well, he was still uh, he was still permanent professor at, in Princeton. Oh, okay. Yeah, I mean, permanent uh -huh. member of the institute. Uh -huh. mm -hmm. uh, so that that was great for me. I was wonderful mm -hmm. that uh, uh, you know I had something to go to, uh -huh. even though I hadn't fully finished my thesis. Right. Mm -hmm. So actually, it was in my first year in Princeton that I, I finished the thesis, and that oh, was okay. that was very good. For, well, the institute and just being in the states was uh -huh. a wonderful experience, uh -huh. you know, because well, you're surrounded on the one hand by postdocs who are in similar situation to you, but mm -hmm. then there are visitors that that have the time to answer your questions as well. Uh -huh. um, it doesn't matter if they're fairly naive questions. Mm -hmm. And then there are the big shots as well. And right. Mm -hmm. And then also, you know, um, I would get uh, some invitations to give talks in various universities. Uh -huh. I found that people were interested in what I was, mm -hmm. uh, I was doing. Mm -hmm. So I actually, uh, yeah, I actually finished off the thesis in uh, that, oh, okay. that, that year. Mm -hmm. and, and how long did you spend in Princeton at that time? Uh, so that was two years. Uh -huh. uh, so the, I, the, my stay there as, as uh, a TS assistant. Mm -hmm. um, Went on for another year. Uh -huh. And did you change direction at that time, or was it more just a flowering of things you were already interested in? Uh, That's uh, a good point. No, I think uh, I was still working on the. Well, okay. No, I. Yeah. I it expanded my horizons in various ways. Uh -huh. So, so Yao was there one of those years, okay. and so uh -huh. we used to talk a lot about, for example, the, what the Kalabi conjecture it was in those okay. days and the implications mm -hmm. it had, and so I was. Mm -hmm. I got interested in, in particular, in K3 surfaces and uh -huh. they had Einstein metrics. Uh -huh. Yeah, I, I suppose it was then that, uh, that uh, although there were still problems, issues related to the Dirac equation, then mm -hmm. more general uh, differential geometric problems uh -huh. relating to Einstein metrics uh -huh. and scalar curvature uh, came into play. And was that, was that so your first brush with algebraic geometry as well, or did you already? No, so, so, right, so my thesis I'd started out by looking at uh, Riemann surfaces, mm -hmm. which, so my introduction to algebraic geometry was really through studying Riemann surfaces, uh -huh. and then by, by having uh, Michael Atier as supervisor, mm -hmm. he was encouraged me to look at algebraic surfaces and uh -huh. moving up. Mm -hmm. So, but it was, you know, I, I learned stuff about algebraic geometry, uh, well, in different ways, actually. One was by having a particular problem namely how do you interpret uh, harmonic spinners uh, on a Kähler manifold. Mm -hmm. uh, but also actually uh, there was a, uh, a year in, um, in Warwick, there was a special year in algebraic geometry, David Mumford was in Warwick. Okay. And so mm -hmm. they used to have days of uh, seminars in Warwick mm -hmm. and then a bunch of us uh, graduate students used to, we used to uh, drive up there. Mm -hmm. um, so, and actually, actually, not just Brian Steer used to come sometimes, and mm -hmm. we would spend the day in, in Warwick. So, uh -huh. I, I, I learned a bit uh, uh, mm -hmm. from those visits as well. Uh -huh. And talk, obviously, being there and talking to other visitors uh -huh. in the program. Uh -huh. so, so, I think, so, so early on, you had this, this famous paper with a tear and singer. How did that come about, or at what stage did, did that work take place? Uh, yeah, so uh, that. Um, so that was in 19, I guess 1977, yeah, so I, I came back from uh, the States, so I'd had a year in uh, NYU and then mm -hmm. I came back to the States as a, a postdoc, uh, working with, well, in principle working with Michael, but at that uh -huh. time uh, I was really following my own interests and uh -huh. occasionally uh, doing something with 
the Eater invariant, or which related to his interest. So at the time, uh, the Eater invariant, uh, the heat equation approach to the index theorem was, was and in the work of Patodi, uh -huh. was very, uh, very uh, uh, current. Um, and so I was playing around with one thing or another a little bit with solitons, trying to understand the geometry behind soliton uh -huh. equations. Mm -hmm. um, not doing, to be honest, not doing very much. Uh, nowadays, I mean, I know I should, I should have been producing papers. Well, yeah, uh, that's the, one the, view the, anyway. There didn't <laughs> seem to be depression in those days. Uh -huh, right. uh -huh. Looking back on it, I realized that uh, you know, uh, mm -hmm. I should have actually written more. Mm -hmm. But then, um, then Singer came across uh, from uh, MIT, and um, he came with this problem about instantons, mm -hmm. um, which is completely new to us here. I mean, on the one hand, it was about things that we knew about, about bun principal bundles and connections on them, mm -hmm. and it was on the force sphere, you know. Uh, on the other hand, the questions that were being asked uh, were, were very different. We, rather, gauge transformations, equivalence classes under gauge transformations. Uh -huh. this so, so this was really new at the time? Uh, yeah, so it was uh, uh, funny. It was uh, uh. the objects one knew about, and uh -huh. you know, knew about what the notion of an isomorphism was, but somehow studying solutions to equations modulo this notion of equivalence was, uh -huh. was a kind of new idea. Uh -huh. Um, and anyway, they came along with this particular problem. Mm -hmm. uh, so the physicists had constructed some solutions. It was a very natural differential geometric uh, mm -hmm. question. And it, uh, I mean, for me personally, and of course, it linked up with Penrose's work as well. There was a link with algebraic geometry, the twister theory. Mm -hmm. There were a lot of ideas uh, hovering around at the mm -hmm. same time. And then they kind of got directed onto this one particular problem. Mm -hmm. uh, for me, um, I got involved in it initially because of some of the, the things that I was working on, actually starting in NYU, which I never wrote up, which was about elliptic complexes which were conformally invariant, some non-standard elliptic complexes. Mm -hmm. Um, and one of these uh, kind of came up, at least the twisted version of it, uh, mm -hmm. in studying the deformations of these instances. So mm -hmm. I already had a, the background. I'd studied these elliptic complexes. I knew what the index theory gave us. I now understood the, the problem. And so uh -huh. the, first, the first thing that I kind of contributed to this was the uh, calculation of the infinitesimal uh, deformation space of the moduli uh -huh. space. Uh -huh. Then Singer came along and said, well, look, these moduli spaces are very mm -hmm. similar to what you do in algebraic geometry with mm -hmm. uh, moduli, Kuranishi's uh, moduli spaces. So, so I was wondering at what point you'd start saying moduli spaces. Was this sort of the point in your life where you started thinking about moduli spaces? Yeah, uh, that's so right, yeah. I didn't uh, know much about the yeah. algebraic geometry one mm. before that, but mm -hmm. yeah, yeah mm -hmm. that's right. Mm -hmm. So then, then of course, it, I mean, the rapid development using all these techniques. Uh, mm -hmm. uh, so, okay, so eventually we, we had this construction uh, with uh, <coughs> the ADHM construction, but the, the one with, with Singer was, was mm -hmm. more the differential geometric uh, background uh -huh. to, the, to the equations. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then how did the ADHM, how did that develop? I mean, were, were you a team of four working in a concerted way? Or no, there, so, um, yeah. no, so the, the Russians, I mean, there, were, there was an exchange of letters, but uh -huh. you know, letters in those days took a long time to get from Moscow to, uh -huh. uh, to the West. And so, I mean, uh, Michael was, uh, was in contact with them. And so, uh, but, uh, and I guess through other conversations with other mathematicians. Mm -hmm. But we were kind of working on, on it from, uh, I mean, it, we were all using twister theory and mm -hmm. uh, results on stable bundles and things like mm -hmm. that. But it, it is true that, uh, I mean, uh, Michael's described this in his, his memoirs as well, that, uh, that we, uh, we eventually put together the, the vanishing theorem, which came from the differential geometry that I was mm -hmm. familiar with, the algebraic geometry of uh, monads that Michael was familiar with. Mm -hmm. We put these, this thing together and then uh, went off to lunch at St. Catherine's College. Um, mm -hmm. And then... Um, well, actually, I wasn't at St. Cat's in those days, so we each went, oh. we each went uh -huh. I went to Wilson College uh -huh. and I went to St. Cat's. Uh -huh. When I came back, 
uh, I saw him uh, waving a piece of paper at the end of a corridor. <laughs> he just got this uh, letter from uh, Drinfeld and Manning. Ah, okay. Pointing out there that they'd done it as well. Oh, okay. So, so uh -huh. it actually was, you know, we learned about uh -huh. it on the same day, although obviously uh -huh. if uh -huh. you actually go to look at the timeline, then they probably uh -huh. done it a little bit earlier. Uh -huh. so, so we sort of skipped the bit of, um, so you went to the States and then you, you decided to come back. Was that an obvious thing or were you tempted at that point to stay in the States? Or have you been tempted at other times of your life to, to base yourself there? Yes. Yeah, at that mm. point, um, yeah, I could have stayed. I could have stayed longer as a postdoc at NYU. Mm -hmm. uh, I think um, Sir Michael. Well, it wasn't Sir in those days, but Michael was <laughs> encouraging me to come back to Oxford. Um, mm -hmm. And uh, I'd been away for three years. Mm -hmm. uh, I'd always liked being in Oxford, mm -hmm. and I got married. Uh, and uh, yeah, we decided to to come mm -hmm. to come back. Mm -hmm. I, I, and. Did, did, did you look ahead and anticipate that Oxford would be sort of the centre of your life or was it a de facto assumption of that, do you think, or you just, you weren't no, looking was, that far uh, ahead? Uh, 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 I, I, I guess I never really looked ahead so much. Uh -huh. I wanted to get on with the things that I liked right. doing, uh -huh. mathematics. Uh -huh. And I, I suppose I, I kind of dragged my feet a little bit when it came to... Um, to getting a more permanent job. Uh -huh. um, so uh -huh. after the uh, postdoc position, I got a, um, an advanced fellowship, uh, mm -hmm. S SRC, or maybe it was SERC in those uh -huh. days. Mm -hmm. um, so that gave you the time and freedom to think. Yeah, presumably. that's right. So, uh, mm -hmm. And uh, I guess in the back of my mind, I thought, well, you know, eventually, you know, I've got to give it up uh -huh. and do some teaching. But, and then mm -hmm. I started applying for jobs in uh, college, you know, CUF uh, uh -huh. jobs in Oxford. Uh, I wasn't successful initially, but I, I think, I don't think I was very convincing. You know, I still want, I, I didn't get uh -huh. a, a convincing argument that I actually wanted to engage myself in college life uh -huh. and teaching. Mm -hmm. uh, eventually I, uh, you know, I realized that I ought to uh, straighten uh -huh. my ideas out. <laughs> and uh, so, uh, yeah, mm -hmm. so I got the, uh, uh, the tutorship in mm -hmm. uh, St. Catherine's College. But you know, later on you've enjoyed tutorial teaching, right? I know you kept some going even when you were a civilian professor, right? Uh, yes, uh, uh, um, uh, that's right. Uh, um, I mean, uh, you know, in retrospect, uh, uh, I realized that after becoming a tutor, I realized that, um, you know, a mixed diet is good for you. Uh -huh. That if you're always doing research, uh -huh. um, you can be banging your head against yeah. a brick wall all mm -hmm. the time. Mm -hmm. uh, and that when you see students, when you give, mm -hmm. uh, well, give lectures, you do tutorials, then mm -hmm. it frees up part of your mind, it mm -hmm. gets the cogs working again, mm -hmm. and, uh, and it's, you know, it's, it's, it's healthy, healthy to mix mm -hmm. together all these things. Yeah. And it, you know, it's got, apart from your own, the legacy of your own work in, in mathematics, uh, you've had many good students, good good PhD students. So how early did that start? Uh, um, yeah. yeah, so uh, I guess the first official, so Simon Salomon was my first official mm -hmm. uh, student. Um, I can't remember which year it was. I'd, um, uh, yeah, so he's, okay, he turned mm -hmm. 60 a couple of years ago. Right. So <laughs> that maybe places uh -huh. Yeah, so that, that, I guess at the time, coming out of the, the work on instantons and self-duality, there were all sorts of questions about mm -hmm. quaternion and geometry. There are, there are a lot of questions, uh, uh -huh. uh, potential topics, which, uh -huh. uh, which uh, you know, I, I thought should be worked on. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and then I got students who were, who were able to do that. Um, mm. how, did it, how did it work out? I'm not mm. sure. I mean, I think, I think probably, um, so I guess John James was civilian professor uh -huh. at that time, and mm -hmm. uh, he was uh, in charge of the geometry admissions and so uh -huh. forth, and he, mm -hmm. he would uh, feed mm -hmm. me possible. Uh -huh. uh, and students. did you sort of have a program at that time where you thought, I'd like students to work on this and that, or, did, or have you sort of, sort of taken the student and then, and then think about 
what you want them to do? Yeah. Uh, it was yeah. the latter, really, yes. Mm -hmm. uh, take the student, explain to them what I was working on, mm -hmm. uh, explain things which were related to it, and mm -hmm. then gradually seeing what they were, uh, they were happy, happy mm -hmm. doing. Mm -hmm. um, I can't remember chronologically the, the uh -huh. order, but, but you know, yes, but, uh, sometimes students uh -huh. just, just show up. I mean, uh -huh. Jacques Rottebees, for example, who's been very successful, uh -huh. He was kind of washed up on the shores of Oxford as a Rhodes Scholar and uh -huh. uh, didn't know, you know, nobody was particularly uh -huh. uh, accommodating uh -huh. and, uh -huh. and then he became my student and uh -huh. I was very happy to, to uh -huh. have him. But, mm. uh, but others were kind of directed mm. towards me. Now, I'm going to change direction a bit if I can. So I sort of dragged you off the, 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 the linear path, but I remember you telling me once that you had a sort of eureka moment about your famous paper on, on Riemann surfaces and Higgs bundles. Do you want to talk about that? Or Eureka moments. Yeah, and, and, and have they punctuated your life, or, or do you think? Yeah, most, uh, yeah. I mean, uh, of course, the Eureka moment is always built on lots of work uh, underneath. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, I, I don't know whether it was the Higgs bundle one. Uh, Certainly, in, in the monopoles one, I had a. I remember a Eureka moment. Uh, mm. This was when I was uh, studying the construction of monopoles by looking at scattering along straight lines in mm -hmm. uh, three space and um, yeah I mean I was walking home uh, uh, across the South Park uh, uh, and then I remember passing this bush <laughs> it's a stupid thing but mm -hmm. I remember thinking oh a straight line has two ends you know so uh -huh. <laughs> and that was uh -huh. And in the in the ten minutes that it took me to get home from there, I kind uh -huh. of figured out how everything would, would fit uh -huh. together in terms of the uh -huh. algebraic geometry. Previously, mm -hmm. I'd been looking at solutions to this equation along a straight line which decayed at one end, and that gave mm -hmm. me a, a, an entry point. Uh -huh. But then I'd kind of forgotten about the other end. I mean, I guess I thought that it was pure symmetry changing com complex conjugation which gave me what was happening at the other uh -huh. end. But then I realized that there was a a holomorphic aspect to it, which, so so that uh -huh. was I remember yeah, it was a particular bush in South uh -huh. Park that uh, that this uh -huh. happened, uh -huh. and by the time I got home, I just wanted uh -huh. to write everything down. Uh -huh. Is that bush still there? So, so, so we've been talking about a very rich time in sort of Oxford geometry, and uh, so how did things develop? Did, did you think of that as a sort of a a great time in Oxford, and yes. were you conscious that it was a special moment? Uh, yes, it was because yeah. there was there were all these. I mean, there was the Twister group, the, yeah. um, a lot of ideas coming from them. Because uh -huh. we'd seen that the Twister theory was so valuable in um, in the instanton picture, but I'd also actually even earlier I'd uh, seen that. Um, constructing uh, solutions to Einstein's equations in, in a non-compact situation, uh, but the sort of thing that uh, was bothering me even back in Princeton could mm -hmm. be done through, the, through uh, Gibbons and Hawking's work. I mean, it, it, that showed me that you could use twister theory to, to make these constructions. Mm -hmm. So I think there was the, the twister theory, the algebraic geometry, then there was the gauge theory, there was Michael Atiyah's, uh, you know, Telling us all the, the new things that were happening, he would always uh, uh, in his seminar he would you know like give us an account of something he'd heard in uh, last time he was in Harvard or Berkeley uh -huh. or whatever, mm -hmm. and uh, it was yeah it was a very exciting time. Mm -hmm. And then did did Dan Quillen arrive at this time? Was that a little bit later? Uh, yeah, uh, yeah, that was a bit later. Yeah, yeah. so I I remember giving actually I gave a kind of graduate course on vector bundles on Riemann surfaces, where towards the end I was just beginning to introduce the Higgs bundle picture, uh -huh. and I remember he was actually sitting in on this, on this course, yeah, so yes, yeah. he must have been uh -huh. around then, mm -hmm. yeah. Mm -hmm. But I didn't really interact so much with Dan. Mm -hmm. no. mm -hmm. so, so then, so f at, at some point, you, you, you decided to leave Oxford. To, um, was that a difficult decision, or is, uh, it seemed natural yeah, at the I time? Think, uh, I think uh, it's... Uh, yeah, so um, so I left Oxford in 1990 uh, to go to Warwick. Mm -hmm. um, so what had happened was that uh, actually in the few years before that, so I'd so in like the mid 80s, well early 80s, mm -hmm. I'd been uh, offered a position at uh, Stony Brook, 
mm -hmm. where they have a, had a very strong uh, geometry group. Right. Mm -hmm. And I went there for, uh, well, two semesters to, uh, to, mm -hmm. to try it out, basically. Uh -huh. um, I suppose my, it wasn't so much a complaint about Oxford, but, but, uh, but the, you know, the CUF lectureship was a, a lot of teaching, a lot of college teaching. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I really wanted to have more time for my research. Yeah. So uh, it would be 12 hours college well, teaching? Well, I wasn't actually doing 12 hours. hours. Actually, St. Uh -huh. Catherine's were pretty good to me uh -huh. as well. But it uh -huh. was yeah, maybe 10 hours, something uh -huh. like that. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't so much the actual teaching. It was the way it, it impacted on your daily life. That you know, mm -hmm. If there was a seminar somewhere in Warwick or London or something that you wanted to go to, mm -hmm. you know, there's no time to do right. it. Mm -hmm. um, so I was fortunate that... Um, because at the time, teaching buyouts were really quite rare. But mm -hmm. I was fortunate that, in fact, in my absence in Stony Brook, certain things were put together, and it was the, there was an arrangement that actually uh -huh. I could have a buyout of, of teaching in some case. But then, uh, and that was largely on uh, Michael Atiyah's uh, grant. Uh -huh. um, so I was still working you know, with him on various topics. Mm -hmm. So then, uh, I guess towards the end of the 1980s, well, on the one hand, there was a question of, uh, yeah, you sit back and say, am I going to do this right. for the rest of my right. life? Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, and also, things were changing, so um, Sir Michael went to uh, Cambridge oh, right. and yeah. to be a, mm -hmm. a Master of Trinity. Graham Siegel went at the same time, mm -hmm. and uh, it was a time to you know, mm -hmm. I thought it was a time to change right. because mm -hmm. I didn't want to revert to being mm -hmm. a full-time oh, right. mm -hmm. So then there was a, a chair, so Christopher Zeman in, uh, in Warwick had uh, moved, mm -hmm. uh, retired I guess, but then uh -huh. subsequently became mm -hmm. um, head of Hartwood College here. And so there was a, a vacancy in, uh, mm -hmm. in Warwick and I decided to apply mm -hmm. for that. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and I got, well, I, I got mm -hmm. it. Um, so that was, um, and that was change. I, mm -hmm. I enjoyed the change. I enjoyed the change of environment. It's mm -hmm. a very different department. It's mm -hmm. run in a different way. Mm -hmm. It brought me face to face with departmental issues rather than uh -huh. college issues. Mm -hmm. I'd, I'd kind of, um, I hadn't taken uh, much part in mathematical institute uh, business actually uh -huh. uh, before that. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, so then I was, uh, so, so Warwick actually, you know, when you, when you change environment, mm -hmm. sometimes your mathematical ideas right. change as well. Yeah, I was going to ask you about that. And yeah. did, did, it, did it sort of give you new interests? Uh, so? um, yeah. It's difficult to say that the, the environment did, uh -huh. because there was a natural progression. There was, yeah. I mean, it's, it's true that there was a, there were visitors there. Um, mm -hmm. I guess, uh, yeah, different visitors mm -hmm. pushed me in different directions mm -hmm. on, on different subjects. Um, yeah. uh, actually, the, Warwick was <laughs> where I first learned to use a computer. Ah. Actually, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, in fact, when I got there, they said, um, so, do you want a, a monitor or whatever it is uh -huh. in those days? Uh -huh. I said, yeah. And so they said, fine. So uh -huh. it was on my desk and I didn't know what uh -huh. to do with it. Uh -huh. So I learned, uh -huh. I learned to do, write papers in tech and so uh -huh. uh, it, it brought me up to speed, uh -huh. if you like. Hey, have you ever used the computer as a research tool? Or as a, uh, I use it to search the literature, certainly. Uh -huh. mm -hmm. And I've used it to do uh, with mathematics certain calculations, uh -huh. algebraic calculations, uh -huh. I guess. Mm -hmm. Um, mm. Though, to be honest, uh, not in a very serious way. I mean, you know, we always like to have, if we have a closed form solution, we always like to have it in as neat, as uh -huh. neat a form as possible. Mm -hmm. And I've used, uh, you know, algebraic manipulation oh, packages okay. to do uh -huh. that. Mm -hmm. On the other hand, I, I, um, there was an occasion, so when I was uh, working on Pandove equations, I got some algebraic mm -hmm. solutions. And uh, I, they came out very nicely. I thought, well, these are really uh -huh. nice formulas. And uh -huh. I, I thought, well, they must be right. Uh -huh. Such uh -huh. a nice formula. Uh -huh. 
Uh, but I never substituted them back in the equation using the computer. And in fact, subsequently, um, they became of use to uh, uh, Wolfgang Ziller and his collaborators in uh, studying metrics of positive curvature. Oh, okay. He sent me an email once saying, mm -hmm. are you sure that this formula is correct? <laughs> <laughs> and then I had to go back uh -huh. to my paper and I realized, yeah, there were some, uh, some uh -huh. numerical errors. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. So he'd actually you put it in the computer. I, you know, <laughs> I thought, well, it's a nice, uh -huh. nice form, uh -huh. that's beautiful. It can't be wrong. Uh -huh. but, uh, uh -huh. but that taught me a lesson. Uh -huh. yeah. But I don't, I don't use uh -huh. it very often. I just realized we sort of skipped over the period when, when Simon Donson was your student, which, which was presumably an exciting time in all sorts of ways with oh, what yes. was going on. And, and obviously that, that was a, a two-way street, as it were. But did, did that influence your subsequent research much, you think? As, uh, yeah. yeah, I guess so. So, so yeah, so Simon, uh, so this was another occasion when uh, you know, and James you know, told me, look, we've got this applicant and uh, um, Ray Licorice says he's the best student for 10 years or something like uh -huh. that. And so he mm -hmm. said, maybe we should make him an early offer. Uh -huh. And so he came and uh, now that was a very uh, rewarding uh, mm -hmm. time because, you know, I would set a, a problem and then you know he would come back in a few weeks time and say okay what should I do next yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, gradually so but at that time it was interesting because it changed well he kind of changed my view mm. I don't know how should I put it uh, I was after I'd done this work on instantons I thought that this whole self-duality kind of package was a kind of quaternionic version of Riemann surfaces. You know, uh -huh. It's like a kind of okay. self-contained uh -huh. piece of geometry which replaced the complex numbers by the quaternions. Uh -huh. But then there were these kind of little bits of information coming from other areas. So Taubes had shown that actually you could find self-dual solutions on these non-self-dual manifolds. Uh -huh. and, then, and then there's this link with um, stable bundles and uh, and so, uh, so there was clearly a kind of bigger picture emerging at uh -huh. the time. Um, and the, that's kind of shook me out of my complacency about this, uh, about uh -huh. where this whole area was, was sitting. Uh -huh. and so, uh, so I began to give uh, Simon problems uh, related uh -huh. to this. And he, he was uh, avidly reading uh, the work by Cliff Taubes. Cliff, I guess, came here for, for a while uh -huh. as well. And so, um, so gradually he, he began uh, working on these these more general uses mm -hmm. of uh, uh -huh. of the equations. And uh, but but he of course he, he passed on to um, to work with Michael Atia, and that mm -hmm. was at the stage when when he, he saw the so there was a conjecture there about the relationship between uh, stable bundles and the existence of these Hermitian Einstein connections. Mm -hmm. uh, it was a clear conjecture. And he, he noticed that actually you could reformulate it in an infinite dimensional moment map picture, which mm -hmm. was the kind of flavor of the month at the time. There was mm -hmm. lots of, there was uh, all the work that um, Atiyah had uh, done mm -hmm. on uh, convexity and moment maps, and then mm -hmm. the Atiyah and Bot picture for Yang Mills on Riemann surfaces. Uh, so moment maps, you know, if you could phrase uh -huh. something in the language of a moment map, then you, mm -hmm. you kind of the knew that you, somehow <laughs> you'd be able to solve yeah. the equations. Uh -huh. And so that was, uh -huh. you know, at that time, uh -huh. that was when I thought, well, you know, uh -huh. Simon has identified this particular problem in those terms. Uh -huh. I'd, I'd benefited greatly by being uh, uh -huh. uh, under Sir Michael, and so, uh -huh. so obviously uh -huh. it seemed an obvious okay. thing to pass uh -huh. over. So can I skip, skip ahead uh, to... Um, your time in Cambridge. So, it, it, was that was that a happy time? Was was that a, a new direction again? Or yeah. So um, uh. so right. So um, you know. So I was approached. Mm. I was approached to for this chair in Cambridge, mm -hmm. and it was clear that um, you know. Uh, okay, I I kind of knew that. How should I put it? In some respects, uh, I'd known that it would have been nice to come back to Oxford and, you know, see me at a chair. Yeah. But that wasn't uh, that wasn't available. Available, you know. Uh -huh. And so, um, 
but you know, to be to be, a, you know, obviously to be a, uh, have a chair in Cambridge was a, a terrific thing, and so I was very happy to to go there, and I thought this is going to be where I'll, you know the rest of my life uh-huh. will be here, mm-hmm. chair in one of the best departments in the UK. Mm-hmm. Um, that was, um, and of course that it meant kind of it was a change. You know, going back from Warwick to an environment which was more, more like Oxford. Right. So it was familiar uh-huh. in some respects. Uh-huh. Um, I had a college attachment there at Gonville and Keyes College, which was very nice. Uh-huh. I had other responsibilities there. Um, and it was, uh, it was good, in fact. Uh-huh. Uh, there I had more contact with the physicists, actually. Uh-huh. Um, no. right. People like Gary Gibbons and... Uh-huh. We used to hold the geometry seminar in the uh, in Dampt, um, so mm-hmm. that uh, Stephen Hawking could come. Mm-hmm. Uh, Graham Graham Siegel was there, and we um, yeah I I used to uh, yeah mm-hmm. I followed different uh, courses of uh, well I followed different pieces of mathematics, uh-huh. different uh, research projects. So I was I was happy there. We had a nice house, um, mm. but then um, then I got this phone call because of the, I mean the civilian chair. Okay, it was held briefly and then became mm-hmm. vacant again. Uh-huh. Uh, then I got this uh, this phone call from Oxford, you know, uh-huh. suggesting I I apply for that. Uh-huh. Uh, that was you know that was something I. You know, I, I, somehow I'd always liked Oxford better than Cambridge. Uh-huh. I think it all mm-hmm. goes back to where you, wherever you're a student. No, no I, I agree. <laughs> yeah, you know, right. you're, Where's you're, your heart? Right? Yeah. <laughs> yes. You're a student, then you kind uh, of know every street corner, and every, uh-huh. some, every street corner means something to you. Uh-huh. And Cambridge was a wonderful place, mm-hmm. but but still somehow, uh, also, I mean, our children had grown up in Oxford, mm-hmm. and uh, mm-hmm. we we made we had many friends still in uh-huh. Oxford. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so it was uh, coming back was something which I was uh-huh. I was happy to do. Uh-huh. No reflection on, on uh-huh. Cambridge. Uh-huh. Uh, uh-huh. Yeah. So, so you mentioned you had you saw more of the physicists in yeah. Cambridge, but so throughout your career, I guess there's still stimulus of physics asking questions of mathematics and the mathematics that produces. Uh, but was that a particular time when that came more into focus, or or was it really something that was always there? Yes. I, I think the first time. It happened was uh, in the seventies when when I learned about this uh, this work of uh, Hawking and his collaborators on Euclidean gravity. Mm-hmm. So this was where uh, for trying to do quantum gravity, where they they shifted from the Lorentzian signature to positive definite signature. Mm-hmm. Um, so. I, this meant that and they had these constructions in the Lorentzian case, which they adapted to the Riemannian case, and suddenly mm-hmm. they were producing examples of these uh, solutions to Einstein's equations, the mm-hmm. Ricci flat manifolds, mm-hmm. which uh, we m- pure mathematicians. So when I was in Princeton, there were there were mathematicians there trying to even look at local solutions and getting getting nowhere, mm-hmm. and yet here here were the physicists with their intuition and their methods. Mm-hmm actually producing examples of these. I think that mm-hmm. was the first time that I realized that, that, um, that, that, that their intuition, uh-huh. when mm-hmm. it was focused on something which was relevant to the mm-hmm. pure mathematics, mm-hmm. uh, that was really something valuable to, to hold on to. Mm-hmm. And I guess then in Oxford, uh, the work of Penrose and his, other, and his collaborators, so the Twister theory, that again uh, departed from the Lorentzian signature because they were usually working over the complex numbers. Mm-hmm. So for Penrose, uh, he would say that uh, the complex numbers are fundamental for quantum theory. If we're going to have a quantum theory of gravity, we should build in the complex numbers right at the beginning. Mm-hmm. So again, uh, what was Lorentzian became complex. Well, complex. Mm-hmm. Um, so what was you know if you complexify something which is positive definite, then it's it's you know it's in the same. Right. Uh, Mm-hmm. Same setting, so those two pieces, that, mm-hmm. that kind of change of point of view, even mm-hmm. meant that uh, the intuition and the background of the physicist could actually be relevant to positive definite signature, which mm-hmm. was the Riemannian mm-hmm. geometry yeah. I was really interested mm-hmm. in. 
So, so mm. that was that. Those were the first two instances where I really thought, okay, uh -huh. you know, you, I can take physicists' uh, uh -huh. mm -hmm. intuition seriously. And then along came the instanton stuff, which right. is where mm -hmm. the physicists had a problem which was perfectly expressible in uh, Riemannian terms. Uh -huh. uh, so uh -huh. the, the flow of information was perhaps the other way there, that, uh, that the, their intuition enabled us to make certain constructions, but mm -hmm. we had more general point of view to, to go mm -hmm. back. Mm -hmm. But it, I think it all started in the 70s uh -huh. uh, with, with the Hawking mm -hmm. and Gibbons work. Mm -hmm. And then has the whole sort of mirror symmetry story, has that influenced you a lot more recently? Or is yes, yeah. definitely. I've tried to, okay, so that was one of the things that I guess I started uh, trying to learn about when I was in Cambridge, mm. uh, because at that time uh, there was this strominger yao Zaslau interpretation of mirror symmetry, mm -hmm. which was very geometrical. Um, mm -hmm. And it was, uh, so trying to put that into effect made mm -hmm. me uh, try and look at, uh, well, special Lagrangians and manifolds mm -hmm. and various, various things mm -hmm. like that. And subsequently, the, uh, <coughs> the Higgs bundle moduli space, which fitted into this mm -hmm. uh, SYZ scheme very, very nicely, mm -hmm. I've been uh, you know, following up uh, the implications of mirror symmetry on that, mm -hmm. largely by uh, listening to physicists, people like Gukov and Witten and uh, Kapustin and mm -hmm. others who tell mm -hmm. me that, okay, you know, according to us, something should happen, there should mm -hmm. be a correspondence between this and that, mm -hmm. and then checking that it, it's, it Generally speaking, mm -hmm. you can see see how it happens in mm -hmm. this particular instance. Mm -hmm. That's uh, yeah, that's that's been valuable in recent mm -hmm. years mm -hmm. very much. Actually, picking up on that, so and there's lots of interesting mathematical objects that bear your name: the Hitchin component, the Hitchin vibration, and so on. But then people take these up and, and run with them. And uh, do you, do you try to keep track of how people are using your name, as it were? <laughs> so, uh, well, uh, I, I, I mean the mathematics that flows from it. Do you feel yeah. a particular attachment to it? Uh, well, the, you know, the, the, it's true. There are, there are yeah. conferences on the Hitchin this and the Hitchin that that I never uh -huh. go to because uh -huh. I know that maybe it's, it's gone far beyond. Uh -huh. yeah. um, obviously, the work of uh, Ngo, you know, it's, right. yeah, uses that, that, my name over and over, and over again is, is far removed from the things uh -huh. that, I, that mm -hmm. I work on. Mm -hmm. um, and equally, uh, these uh, hitching components. I mean, I'm very interested in the in the work of people like uh, Guichard and Minhart and mm -hmm. Laborie on mm -hmm. these components, but I know that their techniques are very far removed uh -huh. from, uh, from the mm -hmm. ones that I use. And so following them means, yeah, understanding what they're saying about uh -huh. it. Uh, but then in the back of my mind, I'm thinking that, you know, is it possible that I can actually use uh, the techniques I'm familiar with to deduce some of these things? Right. Uh -huh. um, but it's uh, but it, it's yeah it's it's mm -hmm. true that uh, that these things go uh -huh. go far uh, beyond. And have you been drawn specifically? Have you been drawn into geometric Langlands through? Yeah. In this sort of way, and is that's right. Yeah, uh, but it, uh, but again, yeah. I restrict my so I rest restrict myself to to seeing in what way Langland's duality reflects mirror symmetry. Uh -huh. uh, so actually, you know, formulations of the geometric Langland's correspondence in terms mm -hmm. of uh, derived categories and equivalence of derived categories mm -hmm. is, is something which uh, I know I would never be able to formulate. Uh -huh. uh, it's in a language which I only partially understand. Um, but it's the, the specifics which, which intrigue me, uh -huh. the, the, the prediction. Usually I think of them as predictions from the physicists, but of course the, uh, seeing them realized in, in algebraic terms is, is mm -hmm. very, very satisfying. Talking satisfying, so you just won the Shaw Prize this year. And, um, was, it, was that very satisfying? Obviously it's very nice in, in many ways, but um, and, and it's not like you were short of international recognition before. And, um, but is, is, did it bring a sense of a, a sort of warm glow of appreciation, or is it? Yeah, I think uh, so. Uh, um, and it is. Yeah. I mean, I, I did appreciate yeah. it as international recognition. Uh -huh. I mean, I know. Okay, maybe it's recognition because I get asked to give name lectures around you know uh -huh. the world and so forth. But this this was a you know a tangible um, 
a tangible appreciation. I was very honoured to get it, obviously. Mm -hmm. It was a great surprise. Um, but uh, but uh, I've been fortunate to have won various uh, prizes from mm -hmm. the LMS or the Royal Society, but this, this was a, this international mm -hmm. uh, profile of the prize, mm -hmm. I think, was what really uh, mm -hmm. I appreciated most. Mm -hmm. Can I also, if you had to, so as we've discussed, I mean, your work has wide influence and, you're, you're, and you have great students who perpetuate your influence in many ways. What are you most proud of, of, of um, yourself? Or, or, or which, which part of your work are you either most proud of or most fond of? Do you, do you, yeah. uh, That's a tough question. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the, uh, I think the citation for the short prize talked about uh, corners of geometry, which I <laughs> which uh, dormant or something like that. Uh -huh. I mean, I always like it when there's something that I've been working on, which has some historical link, uh -huh. you know, the, the, the Quaternions, for example. Yeah, That's Quaternions. Uh, uh, um, yeah. Even you know, these nineteenth-century mathematicians—they uh, they knew what they were doing, but it, of mm. course, what they were doing was framed in a different way from, uh -huh. from nowadays. And mm -hmm. so, but we should, mustn't shouldn't dismiss mm -hmm. them. But no. So, what 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 gives? What's given me most pleasure? Uh, well, you know, I think, I think this, you know, the, the Higgs, I mean, I wrote this paper which started the Higgs bundle uh, work, mm -hmm. and that was a paper which I just came in day by day and kept discovering new things about. I mean, uh -huh. I started it in a, in a simple fashion. I, I knew that there was some infinite dimensional hypercalar quotient which was going to give me a moduli space related to bundles on a Riemann surface. That was my starting point, mm -hmm. just uh, hypercalar geometry. But then the more I looked at these, these, this particular object, the more I found, and then it was over a period of a few weeks actually that somehow every feature seemed to uh, generate a new new result, a new aspect. That, mm -hmm. uh, on the one hand, it was a new proof of the uniformization theorem. That I, I could also imitate the Morse theory approach of uh, Thierry and Bart. I could do this. I could do that. Mm -hmm. It was that was very very satisfying mm -hmm. actually, it, mm -hmm. because it. Uh, I mean, the paper took much longer to write, but still, mm -hmm. ultimately, the the pieces, the components of it, mm -hmm. they all fell together very mm -hmm. quickly. Mm -hmm. So, so you you knew. You knew pretty quickly this was a really rich vein of ideas. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. I didn't realise it would be so uh, influential, but it, uh -huh. uh, but it's, it was mm -hmm. pretty clear that there was mm -hmm. there was something genuinely new there. Mm -hmm. yeah. So, so as we're chatting this, and certain influences on you are obvious. So, so um, but are there any influences we haven't touched on? I mean, people or sets of ideas that are less obviously influences on you? Uh, they're obvious in individuals, you know. I mean, they, you know, people like Michael Atiyah, his singer, I mean, the ones who facilitated the connection between physics and, mm -hmm. and uh, mathematics. Uh, Edward Witten, for example. I mean, I'm mm -hmm. not saying we haven't written any papers together, but this, the idea, but people have had the patience to understand that there are two languages, and that you need to mm -hmm. explain in order to really make the relationship work. You have to explain things in the mm -hmm. right uh, formalism, even if you, even if the original way of thinking about them is, is very different. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, so people like that uh, who um, who make this interface between physics mm -hmm. and mathematics work mm -hmm. uh, requires it requires patience and mm -hmm. understanding of both sides of the of the divide, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and uh, oh, those three are, are, are three examples mm -hmm. of people who've really done mm -hmm. that in my mm -hmm. life. Mm -hmm. So, so, so now you're retiring as civilian professor. Uh, 
you're not retiring as a mathematician, I imagine. So, so yeah. but what, what do you want to do the next part of your life? What, what really interests you still? What, what mathematically and, and non-mathematically do you hope to do next? Uh, uh, I'm still, I still got the momentum of what I was doing, you know, the previous uh -huh. years. So uh, I've been coming in virtually every day to the office. I don't, uh -huh. think, I don't, I don't think that's going to change very much uh, uh -huh. over the next uh, year or so. Uh -huh. um, there are there are projects which I'm I'm working on. I mean, there's this uh, kind of infinite dimensional version of Taikamula space, which is uh, intriguing me very much, and which I mean. Francois Labéry has another kind of version of it, and it's not mm -hmm. at all clear about whether his is exactly the same as the one that I'm, mm -hmm. I'm looking at. Mm -hmm. um, so, and I'm not sure. So I, I now I have one research student left, and he will finish uh, at the end of uh, of uh, this academic year. Mm. Um, I'm not quite sure how things will uh, will go. I don't. I mean. For the sake of the research students, okay. I, I don't really want to have, have any more because uh, it will be a divided supervision. And mm -hmm. in any case, uh, they need to know, they need to absorb new new ideas. Mm -hmm. So I'll, I'll carry on with uh, with the uh, many of the projects that I have, and hopefully uh, learn some more. Mm -hmm. I mean, I go to conferences. There's uh, mm -hmm. um, there's a conference in. Um, well, actually, to be honest. Uh, Part of the work, I, so next month I'm giving some uh, lectures in uh, Brandeis, some main lectures, so I have to think about what I'm talking about. Uh -huh. this, is, this is the way I often, right. I often proceed. Uh -huh. I think, uh -huh. oh, I've got to give some lectures. Let me think a little bit more about this topic. Uh -huh. And then uh, gradually maybe a paper comes out of it. Uh -huh. And then, then okay. Th there are now all sorts of 60th birthday conferences for uh -huh. my former students. Um, <laughs> right. Simon Donaldson, Jacques uh -huh. Altevis, these are all coming up. Uh -huh. these, these are things which keep keep me going because uh -huh. I give a talk. You know, mm -hmm. I think I need to think of something new to uh -huh. talk, and there's always mm -hmm. something in the back burner uh -huh. which, uh, which I can uh, I can work on. That was great, Nigel. Thanks very much for talking to us today. Mm. It's a pleasure. Mm.